the Game of Thrones flashcast here on the Incomparables TV podcast. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined, as always, to talk about the latest episode of Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 4, Spoils of War, by Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. And I am joined, as rarely, by Erica Ensign. Hi. Welcome back. (laughs) Hello. I am thrilled to be here specifically for this episode i'm sorry that you're not um present in my house as you and steven were for our very special uh, recap episode last year but it, we did it on the you know we're doing it on skype instead it's fine yeah it's fine. It's, it, it'll be okay it's weird it's weird but yeah. it'll be fine i know this is the this is it's i i enjoy saying this is the podcast that you and i usually do in person <laughs> so, yep. I, don't know, I don't know um what an episode not much happens pretty boring nothing happens mm-hmm. nothing going on but i suppose i should summarize it and we should talk about it anyway you think yeah that's the way it works yeah Yeah. well you know i was i was thinking just starting off watching the episode and and without even jumping ahead i was just like thinking okay what what is this going to be like this is the the episode that i'm going to be on a podcast about so i sort of was watching it with that in mind and i was for a while just going oh yeah this is this is nice oh i like these characters together oh that's nice but you know not a ton is you know and then oh my god everything just (laughs) yeah There, there was literally a moment with about 18 minutes to go where I said, you know, people are going to complain that this episode doesn't have anything in it but talking. And the talking is yep. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was yep. action for 18 minutes. So, yep. you know, those people mm-hmm. can shut up now. But Everybody wins. But Everybody wins. I think wins. the talking was great. So mm-hmm. I like to break this up, as you both know, into sort mm-hmm. of like the areas where things go on in, rather than just taking it scene by scene. I think that's a better way of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll start with Cersei, who basically <laughs> has one scene where she says, hey, Mark Gatiss, I got your money. And I yeah. might hire some mercenaries. And he goes, oh, yes, yes, we would love to be in business with you if you bring us money. And that was pretty much it for Cersei and Mark Gatiss this week. They, they, they had a light week. Mm-hmm. My notes just say Cersei negotiates alone. Yeah. <laughs> it, do you mean she's negotiating a new loan or she is negotiating by herself? Yes, uh, because she is queen, she doesn't need anybody to negotiate with her. Right. Mm. But she's also negotiating for a loan. A loan. (laughs) Actually, now that you mention it, that's kind of interesting. Does she have a uh, small council? We haven't seen anything like that. Probably not. I mean, it seems like she has sort of thrown the usual decorum and stuff just out the window. And it's like, I'm queen. I can do what I want. I don't need no small council to tell me what to do. Yeah. Sort of a game of thrown out the window. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Mm. um, Yeah. I I think. Now, Mark Gatiss, I'm trying to get into the mind of the Iron Bank here, right? And it's like, first, he's like, you need to pay us. And then she's like, no, no, no. I'm going to pay you. I got got all this gold that I'm taking from Highgarden. It's going to be great. His, his next move, and I love it because it's so kind of slimy and and uh, and great, is like, yes, oh, yes, pay us. And then would you like another loan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He even goes so far as to say, you know, some of our partners are going to miss your interest payments. Like, not subtle at all. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to miss you. I mean, not you personally, mm-hmm. just the money you give us. But mm-hmm. if you'd like to. But but how about that? Of like the moment that a loan is about to be repaid, he's, he starts talking about the next loan. Like, well, you're going to need more, right? Like, I know. remember getting letters right when I paid off my car saying, hey, you know what you should get? A new car. New car. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is basically what's happening here. It's the uh, 
it's the uh, p- the payday loans of, of Westeros, where Mark Gatiss sits there yep. and goes, "Yes, yes, you're finally paid off. You're in the black. You're you're good to go." Hmm. Maybe you want to hire some mercenaries. The Golden Company is mentioned. Not sure if it's been mentioned before. It's in the books. It is a famed group of mercenaries. Maybe I think they may have been outside of one of the various cities that that uh, Daenerys was taking over at some point earlier on. They're they're mentioned in passing, although they're I think not a major part of the storyline until now. But Cersei's considering hiring a whole army of mercenaries in order to help her in her in her battles and and use that new newly borrowed money assuming the marcatus mm-hmm. gets his gold and uh, that's it i mean there's not a lot here it's just to keep mm-hmm. cersei on the board and and uh, remind us really this scene is here to remind us that they took the stuff from high garden last time and are still in the process of taking stuff from high garden as our story unfolds cuz that's kind of important for later mm-hmm. but that's well, i like I liked seeing the Lannisters occasionally paying their debts, considering mm-hmm. how braggy they are about their ability to do so. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. Jamie does it in this episode. like Yeah, you get a full-on, I told you so. Mm-hmm. I, See? I do always wonder how many debts the family ran up to make that their official motto. Like, look at, it's just saying, look at our credit score. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that's totally it. It's like they're they're um they're like shooting the moon on their credit scores. Like, no, no, we're going to borrow. We, but you've got gold. It's Matt, we're going to borrow. And then we'll pay it back later because we're going to, I mean, it's that idea of like, you can, it's more valuable to have the cash on hand for liquidity than it is to use that. Mm -hmm. It's, I think, I feel like it's the whole Lannister like financial system is like they use structured debt like no one else in Westeros. I think that's what's going on here. You got to spend money to make money. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. It's a Lannister's genius. They don't fight very mm. well. We'll get to that. But <laughs> uh, that's a little unfair. But again, we'll get to that. Um, Better than the people at Highgarden. Mm, yeah, well, that's for sure. There's a, there's a hierarchy of good fighters and the Tyrells are not on it. <laughs> oh, I will be talking about the hierarchy of great fighters later in the episode because oh, I've always been fascinated by it. All right. I look forward to that. OK, let, let us talk about what happens in uh let's see in the north we'll go to the north we're gonna we're gonna go there and we're gonna see um Littlefinger bringing Bran the present that every boy wants which is the dagger <laughs> that almost killed him in season one I thought Aww. you might like this dagger that they threatened to kill you with I didn't get you anything People cared a lot about this knife like six seasons ago. Mm-hmm. As the little finger reminds us, why this started the war, sort of, if you, from a particular point of view. <laughs> it, it certainly helped to spark things off. Yeah. I, guess. Uh, I mean, it was, mm-hmm. I used, what he should have said is, I used this to sow uh, suspicion between the Lannisters and, and uh, all of King Robert's people. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, did we ever get like a firm answer on whose dagger it was and who sent that uh cutthroat well much i can't remember much to the disappointment of our listeners i looked this up (laughs) (laughs) oh can i guess because i'm just going off memory i remember it being joffrey but i don't know that it was proven to anybody in the world so what i looked up suggested that in the books it is strongly hinted that Joffrey did it, perhaps even hearing his father, Robert, say that um, that 
you should keep the you know you should keep the kid quiet but that that it would basically be joffrey and that he stole the dagger from his father from robert baratheon um before he died obviously not after Mm -hmm. because this is this all happens when robert's still alive or that it's somebody but it's clearly somebody in the lannister camp slash baratheon camp that is where this uh where this dagger is from so it's hinted that it's joffrey in the in the show apparently it's really more of an open question Littlefinger claims that it was his and that Tyrion won it from him in a bet and so he he points the finger at Tyrion who says that he's never seen it before so it sounds to me like it is either a little finger plot or little finger is has used it to his advantage in some way but I think that's all we know in the TV show yeah okay. I remember it just being pretty much dropped quickly yep. mm-hmm. it's a mystery we'll never know although I I I what I really wanted because what we've learned with this stuff with Bran is that Bran is the three eyed Raven now, and there's a there's a, a a great scene a little bit later where Mira basically says you died in that cave because basically mm-hmm. he didn't come out the same when the three eyed Raven had to transfer all his knowledge to Bran. Uh, Bran became something very different, and I think what he said was I remember being Brandon Stark, but I remember a whole lot of things now, a lot more, <laughs> yeah. and so I, what I I really wanted in this scene when Littlefinger hands in this is just for him to say, oh, this is the dagger that and then like tell the whole mm-hmm. complicated chain of affa- affairs. And he doesn't do that. All he does is disquiet Littlefinger by repeating his chaos as a ladder philosophy right back to him, which is a great moment because you're like, oh, he's got your number, Littlefinger. But I was kind of hoping that he just like reading the back of a, a Game of Thrones trivia card. He'd like literally be like, oh, let me tell you about this dagger. But that didn't happen. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, so far, Bran has not used his omniscience to, like, shortcut any plots or explain any long-standing well, questions he has, so much as... He has claimed memory fragmentation, right? That he, he, he said, I think, two episodes ago, like, I got to get this together. I kind of don't have all my stuff uh, pieced together in my mind, and I need that for when the long night comes. So he's, he's exclaimed that he's not, you know, his, he's got the Swiss cheese memory, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the only things that come to him are probably stuff that is somewhat related to the people that he's talking to, which is probably why he can pull it out of the air and talk about, oh, say, Sansa's wedding night or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the, the list that Arya has, you know, the, the happy things. Yeah. But, but <laughs> to be fair, those are probably the things that are the most tinged with strong emotion. And I don't know if that makes a difference to the Three-Eyed Raven, but that it certainly looks that way. The way I read the, San- the Sansa's wedding night thing was that that not only is that like in the show meant to so i'm going to do the that whole uh watson doyleist thing mm-hmm. here which is in terms of the show it's meant to show that he's not um emotionally hooked up anymore like there's something uh-huh. really wrong with him and he's not just bran anymore i think in the show i took that to be like he's a um i mean he, he doesn't understand like he knows it's important but he he can't he doesn't know why that would offend her. And I think it, I think it works either way. That We know that he's not wired upright, and she knows that there's something wrong with Bran, and I think it's effective in that. But it's super creepy, right? Cause, but that's the whole mm-hmm. point is, yeah, he's super creepy. He, like, is not... I mean, sometimes he's kind of Mr. Spock-like, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes he's really super loopy. And it's in- I think it's interesting, like, what's the deal with Bran? Like, he seems like he could be useful, but he's kind of a mess, which is interesting. I think. Yeah. 
And it's an interesting trope, too, just in, you know, fantasy that you sometimes see is someone who gets so wise that they're no longer emotionally attached to actual events that are happening around them because they can see the big picture, the huge picture. And I I kind of like the idea that in this case, it's someone who starts out as a little kid that, you know, now he's obviously a teenager and he's grown up some, but it's, it's still a character who is very, very young. And we got used to seeing him as this as this kid who was just, you know, a little scamp climbing roofs and then sad that he had broken his legs. And and now he is just this completely different person. And that scene uh, with Mira really illustrates that. that yeah, he's he's not wired up right uh, when it comes to being able to understand how people are going to feel about things, because. Yeah, I like I liked her line about him dying in the cave because it's like, yeah, so she kind of is the only one that made it out. Really? Yeah, I think he's using 100 percent of his brain, like in that documentary I saw, Lucy. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I, I thought you meant that documentary Limitless about the guy who takes the pill and can use 100 percent of his brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Either way. Thank goodness. Our, it's, it's a shame our brains are so inefficient. Um, yep. I'm so sure that's sad. science. That's real, real solid science. Um, Lucy's more impressive. She can stop time and do stuff. Well, yeah. Wow. So Brand's got some work cut out for him, basically, is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Arya, hey, how about this? We, we did a lot of speculation about whether she was going to turn and go to King's Landing. No, this show gives us a shot of her looking at Winterfell from a distance, and then she comes to the gates. At last, Arya Stark is home for the first time since the first season when she went off with her dad to watch her dad uh, lose his head. And, of course, she is welcomed home by two wonderful guards who tell her to beat it. <laughs> In so many words. Yes. Those guys have got to be fired, right? Like, yeah. you just never see them again? I, I like I that hope. I like that later, that's exactly what she says to Sansa, is you need better guards. Those guys were really bad. <laughs> but, yeah. but there is that moment, so, okay, I'm going to take a little tangent to say that there's this uh, David Letterman bit that we reference all the time in my house, which is there's the, uh, when he was at CBS, he did this thing where he went through a Taco Bell drive, drive-thru, and he was... Um, he was oh no no he was running the Taco Bell drive through and would really annoy all of the customers and one lady you could see her getting angrier and angrier and angrier and um and then they cut back and it's this guy in a truck and David Letterman's still talking to the lady and the guy in the truck just says she's gone already chief yeah <laughs> which and we say she's gone already chief all the time, right? So it, we got a, we got a good one this time because they look back at the rock that Arya is supposed to be sitting on, and Lauren and I are both like, "She's gone already, Chief." <laughs> I was, you idiots. I was really worried that Arya had just said, "The heck with this! I'm going back down to uh-huh. King's Landing." I know, no, don't know. Oh, but instead, like <laughs> the, the, the guards argue, like you tell her, no, you tell her, no, you tell her, and cut to they both tell her, and <laughs> and uh, and. In a nice moment, right? Sansa so like says, yeah. "I know, I know where she is. She's down in the crypts, looking at her dad's uh, burial site and his apparently lousy uh, <laughs> statue." So that's nice. It's weird. Sansa says that anybody who knows Ned's face is dead, but Ned's face is still up at King's Landing. I think mm. it doesn't look great right now, but it's still there. Ouch! I think they fit. I, I think they they fished that off and 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 brought his body home as part of a some sort of a peace offering at some point, didn't yeah. they? Oh yeah, I think you're I, right. I think that did happen. Yeah. That's when Rob was alive. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember that guy. There's also they did a, they had a shot earlier this year where where I actually thought it did look like Ned Stark, but the the way they shot yeah. it this time, it totally didn't mm-hmm. look like Ned Stark. <laughs> I was I really surprised. I thought it was actually somebody else's grave for a second yeah. because I was like, I swear we had a nice shot of this before, and I was like, oh, well, that's a good likeness of Sean Bean, and then this, nope. not a good likeness. Do you think that was on purpose, or did they put that in because they were looking at it in this scene and said that doesn't look a lot like Sean Bean, boss? I think we got to cover this. I somehow. don't know. I, I kind of think it was in the script, and so they lit it in All a right. way to make it look as little like him as possible. Whereas in that previous episode, yeah. they didn't, and so it looked okay. Because <laughs> I was surprised. Because uh, sometimes, you know, yeah, it's looked bad, and sometimes it looked good. But here, also, come on, there are a lot of people. I thought that was a little dramatic. Oh, anyone who remembers our father's face is dead. <laughs> it's like, and and the response is, well, we're still alive. And I'm like, yeah, and we could probably count several hundred other people who remember what <laughs> your dad looks like. Uh, yeah, lots of people died. It's true, but. There are other people around, but you're right. I did have that moment where it was like, why are we in front of grandpa's crypt? Right? <laughs> Who's this? But they, they do, they have, they hug. It's very emotional. I, I, I have yeah. to admit, I, I, I felt a little, uh, I, I was, I was very touched. Uh, I, I definitely, this was an emotional moment because it's like all of these characters that have not seen each other have not been, I was thinking about like the actors who were like, oh, this set, yeah. I haven't been here since I was a very little person <laughs> and now I'm much bigger because it's been six years and I'm back. Uh, that I thought that was pretty cool. And of course... What does Arya do? She she just offhandedly mentions um, that Joffrey was... First off, it's like, did you kill Joffrey? No, I wish I had, Sansa says. And and Arya says, yeah, well, he, I, I was mad when he died because I wanted to kill him. He's on my list of people I'm going to kill. And she's like, ah, <laughs> uh, mm, you're serious. <laughs> Dude, so yeah, I, think, I don't think she figured out that, that Arya was serious until the, the later scene with Bran. I think that, you know, they, they both start yeah. laughing and it's like this cute little moment. And, and I think she thinks it's a joke for a while. Well, it's one, I, it's one of those things. I think she thinks it's funny and then I think she thinks it's not. And then they laugh about it. So it's like, oh, it, it's going to mm-hmm. be okay. That was weird, but it's going to be. No. And then, yeah. no, 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 it's not. But, be. <laughs> but anyway, it's good to see you again, sister. Oh, you know, Bran's alive, too, somehow. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. got three quarters of all living Starks in one shot. This is so cool. I was I was very happy because I didn't know if they were if they were going to do that. Yeah, and you know I I don't no have kidding. I don't have a lot of confidence that all of them will make it to the end. But I, I at this point I do have confidence that we will at least see all of them together. I might be wrong, but I. I I'm, I'm hoping that John will will get home in time to actually have all of the the currently alive Stark siblings at least see each other and you know hug i mean john's with theon at this point although we're not there yet but i liked i liked the reunion i thought it was um having a younger sister and who i was not always getting along with all that well but then sort of growing up and going through a bunch of stuff and getting along with my sister better i think it was it was kind of a perfect a perfect thing the way they they interacted it it felt real yeah, I liked how they pretty much all checked in with their adult selves. It's like, well, you've become a mystic seer now. You're <laughs> an assassin. I'm the Lady of Winterfell. Who could have mm-hmm. predicted any of this except the Lady of Winterfell? Yeah. That mm-hmm. that seems like on brand for Sansa from her first scene. Well, yeah, and the producers, um, the producers' uh, commentary afterward, where they talked about that scene, they they did say it's sort of like 
they have intensified where where they were already going. Like yeah. Arya always wanted to fight, and uh, and Sansa always wanted to be the pretty princess, and you know she's now the Lady of Winterfell, <laughs> and Arya is a ruthless killer. So it's sort of like they've changed, but sort of like they've just kind of gone on the path that you kind of knew they were they wanted to head down. <laughs> which I think is yeah, I think it's really interesting. I love how and, that uh, that revelation comes out too, where where uh, Bran says later, um, you know, basically, I know about your list. <laughs> well, if he's ever checked in on her, he will have heard about her list. She repeats it to herself every night as she goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's obvious. Yeah, and that's the reinforcement that uh, that mm-hmm. uh, that Sansa needs. That oh. Oh, uh, well, plus the, then she sees her fight, right? But the, those two yeah. things put together, it's very clear now that Sansa knows exactly what's going on. Arya didn't just turn up. And it's like, it's a long story. I, I hope that there was. I, I fear that because of that scene with, with uh, Sansa looking down at Arya, that that scene didn't happen. Because I really hope that after the they're down in the crypt, like the next thing that happens is they go upstairs, have a cup of tea, and tell the long stories to each other. But mm, nope. I don't think that happened. I don't know no, what but happened, I think but it's, not that. I think it still could. I feel like, you know, Sansa was in the middle of her day. She's running Winterfell. Her sister shows up. She takes time to, to bring her out to to meet Bran to to see him again and then has to get back to work so I my headcanon so far unless we get something to to go the other way is that that you know evening time once the day's work is done that's when they'll sit down and have a cup of tea and Sansa will be like okay okay sis spill what the (laughs) heck yeah yeah we don't need all that on screen we already spent six and a half years watching it all Exactly. I like that they that somebody made uh, the the maester made uh, Bran a wheelchair. That's uh, mm-hmm. kind of a fun little thing. They got a rickety old Game of Thrones era wheelchair. I thought that was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. that way they don't need a big dude carrying him around everywhere, right? Because they don't have one anymore. Mm. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, other things that happen in here that I that I noted, uh, he Bran Bran gives the dagger to Arya. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, and uh, you know who who would who else would like a sweet Valyrian steel dagger but Arya right like plus we know mm-hmm. that Valyrian steel kills White Walkers yeah. which leads me to believe yep. that Arya is now I feared that Arya's path was going to be she was going to be hopping around kind of behind the scenes murdering people but now <laughs> I think that that she is going to be using her warrior skills maybe for the fight with the white walkers which excites me more than her just mm-hmm. uh, living a life of revenge although i do fear that there's going to come a moment where she has to choose between the fate of humanity and crossing people off her list but i do love mm-hmm. that she's now got a valyrian steel dagger that's awesome and we, we had bran actually referring to seeing her at the crossroads and thinking she might go to king's yeah. landing and she said she says yeah maybe maybe it did i bran I don't listens know. to I, this I, podcast I, yay bran <laughs> you too you were wondering too i i don't necessarily think that having a valyrian steel dagger means that she's going to, to be fighting the white walkers i think that would be nice but well, i still sort of get the feeling that her trajectory point south at this from, point from a again from an outside mm-hmm. perspective thinking about how this plot is constructed i feel like mm-hmm. if Arya has a valyrian steel dagger it's going to matter because that's I, they work mm-hmm. on the white walkers so at some point she's going to have a tool to fight them when i don't know but like that's a very yeah. specific kind of weapon for her to have I don't think the dagger is necessarily going to stick with her. Oh, I feel wow. like we've seen the dagger move from person to person. 
and eventually it will kill a White Walker, but maybe she gives it to Podrick or something. Mm. Pod is the true hero of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Well, speaking of the Valerian dagger and and it moving from person to person, the person who gave it to Bran, I quite enjoyed watching Littlefinger's (laughs) reaction to um, to the fact that Arya has it at this point and the way she's fighting. Like, I was just going, okay, Mr. I see everything that's happening, all of the possibilities in my head at the same time. I'm like, I bet you didn't foresee this one. Yeah. Yeah, First off, the one who actually is like that is is in this is in Winterfell with you the one who actually sees everything yeah, yeah. that's Bran, not <laughs> no. you so and then funny. it is yeah Arya suddenly turning up out of the blue and being an incredible fighter yeah that mm-hmm. that's a bit of a a bit of a, a surprise for Littlefinger and he's watching I love it you know I love the little finger. Little finger looks are the best because sometimes you you see him looking, and it's like the same expression on Aiden Gillen's face, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that that one expression, and sometimes it's like "boo, you're scheming, boo," and other times it's like "ha ha, you're surprised." <laughs> Literally the same expression, but I, you can read into it what you need to for yeah. Littlefinger. It's great. Here's so, what I loved about uh, Arya's fight with Brienne. Uh, everything. Since, yeah, well, everything. Yes. Specifically. specifically. Okay. 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 <laughs> since the beginning of the show. They have used tournaments to tell us which fighters are better than which mm. in single combat. So there's your tier one where you have Jamie Lannister and you know uh, the mountain is great because I think the mountain defeated Jamie once. Oh, but there's also the hound and Brienne beat the hound. So she's up here. And now finally we get to see that not just Arya is skilled at assassinating, assassinating possibly, sure. but Arya can beat Brienne which means almost well she had the knife at Brienne's throat when they stopped and Brienne had her sword it was a draw all right but except for Sandor Clegane who's kind of out of action i because uh Jamie is down by one hand that puts Arya and Brienne at the very top rank of fighters with yep. the results you can look at yeah it does and it i sure love does. seeing that <laughs> Arya isn't just a stabby monster. She's she's one on one combat ready. Yeah, she's doing yeah. a lot of that sword flipping stuff that um that uh, the remember the the faceless assassin yeah. girl who tried to kill her. She was doing a lot of those same moves, and now Arya's got mm-hmm. those moves, which oh, I think is oh, interesting. The wave. The wave All of her moves it. were great. She walked out with her hands behind her back, standing up straight. I'm like, oh, look, she's learned poise and posture. Mm-hmm. And she got a bath. How nice for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, this That was my favorite scene of this whole entire episode. Maybe this whole season. I, I just I loved it because I'm usually bored by fight scenes but if it's a one-on-one scene and you can actually see the characters faces while they're doing it and it means something um and yeah. also you know we had the we had the you know <laughs> lovely little finger being discomfited and sounds like, <laughs> like wtf um but you can the the two of them sort of feeling each other yeah. out and how that plays out on their faces just in their performances and by the end of it like you can see the moment where it turns from from what's you know what is this other person going to do to oh this is interesting I'm having fun to the very end where they basically finish in a draw. They have their blades at each other's throats and they're smiling at each other with genuine happiness. Uh, that was just like beginning to end. I actually I clapped. I was mm. I was literally applauding when that scene was over. This is not a fight. 
it is a conversation, mm-hmm. right? It is yes. a dialogueless conversation using swords and knives, but it is Brienne mm-hmm. and Arya. They are testing each other. They are questioning. It, 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 Brienne has, Arya has forced Brienne into the context of training. And Brienne mm-hmm. is realizing that that was BS. <laughs> and uh, it's, and then like Brienne finally gets kind of mad. And so she kicks Arya across the, the dirt. And then, and she's like, okay, did I go too far? And then Arya like springs up and does like a ninja move. And she's like, nope, yeah. I didn't go too far. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the whole conversation continues. And you're right, Eric, at the end, the way, the, the, the what I got out of it was not, oh, Arya uh, is better than Brienne. What I got out of it is, Arya is legit, and Brienne knows mm-hmm. it, and so does Sansa, and so does Ling- Littlefinger. And, you know, they're very different fighters. She's got the smaller, uh, faster sword, and Brienne's got the big, heavy sword. But that there is respect there, and that, that dialogue ha- got, to, got to bring out all of that story. And it's really like, this is Arya telling her the story of where she's been all this time, is this yeah. conversation mm-hmm. with swords, with Brienne. It's beautiful. It's an bu- amazing um, bit of filmmaking, I think. And then it ends with, who taught you how to do that? And Arya has just the tiniest smirk as she says, no one. No one. <laughs> like, you don't get that, but I just said a great line. Okay, bye. <laughs> Sunglasses down. I'm out. She had, she had a couple of great lines, too, because you have, you know, Brienne saying, you can't use that sword. It's it's too small. And Arya saying, oh, I won't cut you. I promise. Mm. <laughs> like, don't worry. The uh, <sighs> I, I also want to mention in here, I think one of the most... Maybe the most emotional moment in the episode for me was not Arya and Sansa hugging in the crypt. I think the most emotional moment, the high point of this episode, is when Pod says to Brienne, you know, Catelyn Stark would be proud you kept your vow. And she's like, no, 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 you know, no. And Pod's (laughs) like, no, you promised her it happened she's kind of mm-hmm. on on at least of that vow she's kind of freed of it she's certainly got to be free of her guilt that she failed at it and it's yep. it is and then she you know then she fights does a sword fight with with one of the girls and it's and it's and we move on with our story but that moment is so amazing because we're calling back so far to brienne promising their dead now mother that Mm -hmm. she would she would keep them safe and she would watch them and to see that resolved i found that just as uh, emotionally fulfilling as the two sisters meeting yep yeah for sure Uh, i kind of i kind of enjoy with i kind of agree with brienne that she didn't do as much as she could have to make this happen. Mm-hmm. She was yeah. important at points, but it, it's no, not but, like she c- carried Arya and Santia into Winterfell herself. Oh, or I, I agree, but the, but she's just trying to deflect the fact that the the point is that it it it, it worked out, yeah, and that mm-hmm. that she has seen it happen, and that that part of her journey and that part of her promise is done like like it she didn't i think i think it's more that she didn't prevent it from happening by her uh failures right like she may have failed in some places along the way but in the end it worked out and the sisters got back to winterfell and that like that's that's huge that's huge and she doesn't want to accept that uh and pod like prods her into it because i love pod also pod (laughs) just gets the crap beat out beat out of him again by brienne and it's just poor my notes just say poor pod is he learning anything who can tell? Who can don't tell? fight someone like her in the first place. <laughs> Look how powerful Arya got in the same time period. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. 
my favorite part was actually Sansa looking down at her sister oh. and kind of realizing, oh, this is what Arya is now. Mm-hmm. And like, kind of, I thought, looking proud of her. I yeah. thought she looked uncomfortable. Well, yep. That too, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I felt like, and this might be projecting, but I felt like Sansa was thinking, oh, my sister is just a full on killer assassin now. So that's what happened to her. On the other hand, she always wanted to be good for her, and that'll come in handy, I bet. Yeah, I didn't. I I I got the first part. The oh my my. I I was thinking it was more like oh, my little sister has become this crazy ninja assassin person, and she's not the little sister that I knew. And I'm not sure how to emotionally deal with this, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And when Mm. she mentions she has a list of people she's going to kill, she Mm. means it. She's yeah. she's serious. Yep. She's killed people. Obviously, she's going to kill more people. You know. And she said, "You know who who who's on this list?" And oh, most of them are dead anyway. She doesn't even answer <laughs> and doesn't say whether they're dead because she killed them or not. Um, yep. Yeah. The, I, I in another world, I would say this is a moment where Sansa says, "Oh, my sister is a monster." But this is Game of Thrones, so I think she probably mm-hmm. thinks more like, "Oh, my sister could be a useful killer." <laughs> yeah. Oh, my sister's a general, I guess. Yeah. John will be surprised if he gets home before anybody leaves. I just, mm-hmm. I want everyone to stay there until John gets back. I know, right? But Me he's too. not even coming. He's not even coming back there, though. He's going back to the to the true. north by boat. Uh, maybe, maybe we should talk about that. Um, yeah. I, I've got. I'm going to move. I've got a little overarching thing that I want to talk about. But we'll talk about it later. Uh, let's go to Dragonstone. Sure. Um, So since our last episode, when John was given permission to dig for Dragonglass, John and his friends have apparently been doing some spelunking (laughs) because they have found a cave full of Dragonglass. And if you go back far enough, there are a bunch of like uh, pictograms of things carved in the rock by the children of the forest. And there are lots of spirals and cute stuff like that and interesting things and also pictures of the first men who came to Westeros and conveniently pictures of the a a, a white walker and uh, some zombies uh, and obviously when this was discovered by somebody, John was like, aha, let's, um, mm-hmm. Daenerys, you need to come down here and see this. And so <laughs> what we get is John giving Daenerys a little tour of the caves underneath Dragonstone and showing her these things as an example. And I think, you know, that she basically believes it. It's like, look, this is real. I'm not kidding. And she says, great. I will fight for you. I will fight <laughs> for the North when you bend the knee. Yeah. Still going to need that from you. That is entirely reasonable of her, and I think John mm. really has to bend the knee at some point. Are we sure he hasn't already? That's true. We did cut away. Well, yeah, and, and then I like, love how she says, a- "Isn't their survival more important than your pride?" And then we and, and like, mm-hmm. well, isn't it, John? Cut away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then later he says, "I can't remember the exact line, but they're with somebody else and asking him a question." And he's like, "It doesn't matter anyway." And I, hmm. I, I thought that that could be well, it doesn't matter because I've already bent the knee. I I took so my question during that scene was, "What does Daenerys want?" Does Daenerys want John's acknowledgement that when all is said and done, the North will be part of her rule? Mm-hmm. Or does she want a public display of his bending the knee for her? Because his argument is the people that I'm I'm 
putting together this army to try and save humanity from the White Walkers are going to be furious with me if I give this away and I need them. Like, so I kept thinking, John, just make a deal with her. Say yes. Yes, I will, of course, but I can't publicly right now. But when this is all said and done, sure, like that is totally an option for him to do. And we cut away. So maybe he said it. Maybe he didn't. I don't know what those Mm -hmm. two crazy kids were up to in that cave. They were very (laughs) close at several points. There were some sparks flying. And I was like, you guys are siblings. Are we doing this again? They're not. They're not. You know, they're not siblings. She's her cousin. She's his. She's his great aunt. Is that what it is? (laughs) Yeah, she's his great aunt, although the the Targaryens are famous for incest, so it may not matter. What I liked about, we were talking, um, Lauren and I were talking about this uh, during or right after the show, about what I like about the dynamic between um, Jon and Daenerys, and yeah, there are sparks flying a little bit there, but what I like about it is, he's not like anybody I feel like she's ever been in contact with, in the sense Mm -hmm. that he doesn't want her, like, he's not there because she's a queen or because you know he's a suitor he's there because he needs to do his job he's a king or at least you know more or less mm-hmm. a king and she's a queen like their dynamic is so different and i think that's really interesting and i i wonder if from daenerys's perspective it's kind of like this john snow is kind of intriguing because he's not like all the other boys <laughs> he, yeah he's, he's not he's not after me for my title he kind of just wants after me he's after her for her obsidian or that's all that's all he really wants yep. out of her well, and that's and, interesting and her dragons and her dragons and right. yeah and her and mm-hmm. her support in the end yeah that's true but, but, but at the end of all of that, he would be very happy if she just went away and, you know, went to the south and, and paid no more attention to his people. How often him. do you think she's going to come up north? I don't think she's going to like the Well, that's the, the argument. Is the warden uh-huh. of the north is like, look, don't call yourself a king. You can have the stupid north. Nobody wants to go up there but you. Right? But I, anyway, yeah. I, I liked I like what they did because what they didn't do is any of the... Uh, dopey dialogue stuff. It was really like <laughs> there, the dialogue was all business, and then the staging of it, where they are very in close quarters at several points. That's the part that gave me the like ooh mm-hmm. and the music <laughs> moment and the music. Yeah, sure. Well, if yep. I'm Jon Snow and I have to pick between my current allies and Daenerys, I mean, I like Awesome Lady Mormont a lot, but she doesn't have dragons. Nope. No. Well, John doesn't want to choose, right? I mean, John is playing this. I I think the Onion Knights uh, guidance for John (laughs) is very much like, just play this out. Like, because you're going to need them. You know you're going to need them. But right now you can't bend the knee in public, at least, right? Because you're going to lose everything in the North where we and we cannot afford to do that. So just play it out. And I think that's what John's doing is he's not going to say yes, unless he's done it secretly, but he's also not going to say no, really. Right. Like they're all in good, you know, good conversation with each other. They're buddies in this kind of like, they're like two cats. They're not like, they're not like cuddling, but they're sitting near each other. And that's pretty good. The Onion Knight even makes a joke, you know, later when they're talking to Missandre oh. about, you know, will you will you blame me if I switch sides? But the the thing that I really like, I think you mean Missandre of North. <laughs> I do indeed. North, where they have no marriage, by the way. North. Mm-hmm. But the, the scene North. with the two of them in the caves, I think the reason that 
the sparks flew more for me than in any other scene when they had been speaking to each other is that except maybe a little bit in in the last episode where she agrees to let him mine the dragon glass um but it was it was ratcheted up a little bit here because i felt like they were on more equal footing when it comes to like the the power dynamic between them and i always feel like it's more interesting and more true of a of, of sparks of romance when you actually have two characters who one is not like lording something over the other one and in this case you have john who has some information now like he's got maybe not 100 percent proof but but something <laughs> to really throw it in her face to be like yeah see see what i said and <laughs> and she is you know she's amenable to it as long as he wants to bend the knee but i I just i thought that the 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 shift in the power dynamic subtle though it may have been um really did help see i don't know that we should base our defense uh priorities on what people fifty thousand years ago were afraid of (laughs) because i'm worried that the item two is dealing with that uh giant wolf that eats the moon every month yeah well it's true i I did i i did have a moment where i kind of giggled about the idea that john and the onion knight are down there drawing a bunch of pictograms in the game so that they can convince daenerys of it right but i like i mean the point is that that everybody thinks they're legends and john is like look which i mean the answer could still be they're legends but it's very specific Mm so yeah i I can see that pictograms once he got to the night king like i could identify that guy talk about john and daenerys um uh, another couple of things that I noticed. Um, I mentioned last week she always calls him Jon Snow, which always is going to echo Ecrit to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which you know, Jon's other ser- his serious relationship uh, with Ecrit. But you know, now Jon Snow knows something. He does something. What you know? Yeah, nobody wants to listen to him. The thing that he knows now. So the other thing is, uh, and we see it in this episode, like. You know, Daenerys is upset because of the 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 losses that her forces have had. She's got these advisors that, as Elena Tyrell said, like they're very clever men. Don't listen to the clever men, and and she literally says in this episode, "Enough with the clever plans. What would you <laughs> What would you do, Jon Snow?" And that I think is really interesting because that is she yeah. is a, a, with all her advisors around. She is asking this guy <laughs> who she just met for counsel basically i think that's really i i think it's yeah i think it's really interesting to to see that dynamic happening and you know Tyrion and varus are there going you know but they kind of screwed it up so what are they gonna say yeah. now? um also we did in, your thing we lost an army we did your thing we lost a fleet i'm open to other ideas how about this guy how about the north guy what is what is he he's still wearing a fur coat it's hot down here what are you doing anyway um he'd be a really good wartime consigliere so um, he's led armies Tyrion hasn't this that's well yeah i suppose battle of the blackwater was pretty good but that was a long time he's been riding on the battle of the blackwater for a while now (laughs) um john says people who follow you know you make impossible things happen if you use them to melt castles and burn cities you're not different you're more of the same so this is one of the threads in this episode before we still haven't talked about the big thing but we'll get there um Mm -hmm. is why is daenerys followed by all these people and then we get that whole scene with missande talking to john and onion knight and um 
and he John is doing the typical Westeros thing, which is, well, you were a slave and now you are, you know, now you follow this queen. You pledge your service to this queen. And Masande makes the same point, really, which is I serve her because I want to. She's not our queen because she's the daughter of some king we never knew. She's the queen we chose, at which point the Onion Knight says, you mind if I switch sides? And <laughs> I, not only is it funny and it, and it says why Daenerys is maybe a little bit different and I think that this episode really calls into question the whole idea of um, class in Westeros and in this world and the um, and the value of this monarchy as a form of government. And that although Daenerys claims the right to be the queen based on being a Targaryen, she is kind of a revolutionary. And at least her followers definitely feel that she is that. I think it's really interesting, too, that we have Missandei and the Onion Knight, two commoners who are intrigued by this concept that she's actually a queen because we like her and not because of who her parentage is. And we'll get to Braun in a little bit, but I think that it's interesting that another major character in this episode is another guy who is basically a commoner and he's super important too. And so mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of interesting questions about like class and versus the, the gentry and w- why people should be valid rulers and, and not. And then John is in there, too, when he says you can't, you know, you can't burn cities because then you're no different from everybody else who's come before you. Yep. If only there was a thing he could burn that wasn't a city, but would also (laughs) advance uh, Daenerys' (laughs) part in the war. That's a good idea. Hmm. Um, You mean like a part of an army or something or some supplies? You'd have to find an army like out in the middle of nowhere, sort of in a once upon a time in the West scene, like maybe they used a Westworld set. I like your thinking, um, but mm-hmm. first Theon is, has a, oh, appears right, in a him. boat. <laughs> <laughs> and John is mad. Because, Bad guy. Because, of course, from John's perspective, Theon took Winterfell with the Iron Islanders and killed Brandon Rickon, even though that didn't actually happen. But he also um, rescued Sansa. And so John basically says, I won't kill you because you rescued Sansa. Um, and Theon basically is like, all right, well, we need to talk to the queen. And John says, she's already gone, chief. <laughs> 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 and where did she go? Smash well, cut to. Well, just a second. Just a second. Yes, okay. Even though there was not a tearful reunion, I still really liked seeing those two guys back on screen together. It's another first yep. season reunion. It absolutely yeah. is. If they both mm-hmm. got back to Winterfell, we would have quite a party. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm done with them. Let's move on. Okay, smash cut two. <laughs> as I said, Jamie Lannister <laughs> is in uh, is leaving uh, Highgarden. They are in some terrain that is beautiful, by the way. I think this is Spain, although I'm not sure. It's got those big rocky outcroppings all around. It's really mm-hmm. cool looking. Um, and they are bringing back all of the spoils of war. Oh, that's the name of the episode that they've mm. looted from Highgarden. Um, in order to, uh, they, they've, the gold has already kind of moved along. That was at the front of the of the party, uh, and has already <laughs> kind of moved through the gates. But they're they're, they're <laughs> how convenient, isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, it's great for Mark Gatiss. It's great for Mark Gatiss. That's well, uh, you know, 
they know that the iron bankers are waiting so they 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 prioritize that but they're also going to bring all the food and everything out and so jamie is there and braun is there and sam's dad um mr mean old mm-hmm. tarley uh and well, who wants to whip the people at the end at of the, the line yeah. because they're not going fast enough <laughs> yeah and without getting, any warning yeah he's cranky that the compromise is why don't we warn them we're going to yeah. do that instead of just attacking our own people who just won a <laughs> victory for us he's like Ugh. Fine. My my note is Braun and Sam's dad go to scare some farmers. <laughs> that's basically what what happens, and and that's a first mm-hmm. scene. But then we come back to them. Uh, they we come back to them later, and um, and they're talking to uh Dickon? Oh, Sam's, Dickon. Sam's fancy brother, which is the reason yep. Sam got sent to the wall, uh, who's mm-hmm. not named Rickon, but is named Dickon, to which Braun snorts. I love <laughs> Braun. I oh, love Braun. Braun is- Braun is just the best here in every way because and, and not only does he giggle at that, but he's, you know, talking about how, you know, the smell and he learned, you know, that men poo themselves when they die. He learned that when yeah. he was five. And then he's he the one that poo. shuts everybody up and says, hey, listen, he gets it before anybody else. Yeah. Braun is the Radar O'Reilly of this scene. Braun <laughs> is saying all the stuff that Jamie knows but doesn't want to bother saying because it wouldn't be nice to this poor, terrified kid. <laughs> I, I mean, I really enjoyed it because it's, it's so great. Like, again, after this show is very good. And after this many years, they have they they have got these characters down. So, like, Braun just keeps saying things. Jamie just keeps looking at Braun. Like, every time he says something, he knows Braun's right. Right. Yeah. But he's like, I wasn't going to tell the kid that. No, I wasn't going to tell the kid that. Right. But but it's yeah. true. It's not wrong. Like, Braun just doesn't care. <laughs> But but Jamie's thinking, let the kid talk himself into believing it was a glorious victory and doing this is glorious and chivalrous. What's it going to... Oh, no, we're just going to... Oh, all right. So. I think that's also a little bit of what you were saying earlier, Jason, about, you know, the, the class differences. Yes. Because when you're, when you're born on the streets like Braun was, you can't afford to be fancy about things and just, you know, pretend that that stuff doesn't exist because you're surrounded by it. So he just barrels right ahead. Well, and you and, could... You know, they, didn't they teach you that in your fancy school? fancy boy school i feel like the, uh, the argument too would be that like part of being in in in, gen, in the gentry in the in the in royalty is is pol- politeness which is lying essentially for in order for people to save face and braun is not was not raised in that he's a sellsword he doesn't care he cares about honesty mm-hmm. and and forthrightness and he's a scamp and we love him right but he, he doesn't say anything mm-hmm. here that isn't true he's just yep. it's just all impolitic which i i i think is amazing <laughs> although my note is literally braun is not helpful <laughs> so, <laughs> even in that first scene when he looks jamie in the eye and says Oh, you think Cersei's reign is going to be long and peaceable, do you? <laughs> he knows this. that's yeah. not going to happen. Well, Stranger, things that's not gonna happen. Happen. Stranger things have happened. When? Cut away. So mm-hmm. then, so Bronn not being helpful here talking to Dickon. And then there's this moment where Bronn's like, wait, 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 wait. Do you hear that? And if you have a subwoofer attached to your home theater system, there's a, a rumble <laughs> begins to happen. And, and, and at this point, I thought to myself... Oh boy! <laughs> like, oh, uh-huh. oh, I'm like that oh boy. sounds like horse hooves. What, what's that going to be? And the Dothraki horde appears because what has happened off screen is that Daenerys has decided rather than attacking um, uh, King's Landing and melting all those people, they're going to attack the Lannister army as it travels across 
back to King's Landing with the spoils of war and, and melt all those people and yeah. melt the the army and all of the stuff that they've taken from the Tyrells. And so, yeah, the Dothraki horde starts to come on them and they quickly Jamie's like commanding them and lining up and get your get your spears and get your shields and they're they're ready for a a tra- additional face-off against a mounted army. We've seen that before on Game of Thrones. And then, out of a cloud, comes <laughs> a giant dragon. And oh, at so this point, great. I lost the ability to take notes. Oh, yeah. My notes after this are yep. fire, battle, fire, <laughs> arrows, nope. Yeah. Uh, that's about I've ten got, minutes there. <laughs> I've got everyone is on fire, and that's pretty deep into it. I really they, liked that the Dothraki weren't in any formation. They were just a ravening a horde, horde. Yeah. coming at these people who were all disciplined, like, we've got our shield wall, we know where to go. I liked seeing the different tactics. Yeah, and obviously the one tactic is that the dragon is going to blow a hole in the line so that they can go through it, which they do, which I thought was cool. That was like, oh yeah, look, they blew a hole, the dragon blew a hole in the line. Everybody ride through there. But, you know, their well, their that, formation, Monty, is horde. That is their yeah. formation. That is what they do. <laughs> that was actually the nice way to, for Daenerys to do it. She could have gone east to west and just burned the entire shield wall line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like that, I think in the past that they've mentioned how hot Dragon's breath is, that it's much hotter than a normal Oof. fire. And we get to see proof of that, because yeah. you have, you know, men that are burned to ash standing where they are, and then the ash pile just goes poof. In a flap that of was, the dragon's wings as it passes yeah. over them. Yeah, that was, thing, that, I, that was pretty amazing. One thing I really liked is there's a tradition in movies that when you're on fire, you run around with your arms in the air <laughs> until you either fall down or go out of screen. But here you had some people just kind of staggering around on fire, mm-hmm. yep. which I thought was really cool. There were people who I were was... dropped to the ground and were rolling around. There were guys who were taking yeah. off their helmets and jumping in the in the river. They were a bunch of different ways that they reacted to being burned by a dragon. Yeah. I want to give a huge shout out to all of the stuntmen that, yeah. that did that did yeah. all of that work because it, it it was the most sort of impressive piece of like fire battle. Not that I've seen a ton of battles that are you know with dragons and stuff, but it looked it looked really good, and I enjoyed the beginning of it so much. the 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 long shot of just the hill, all you can see is the horizon, and suddenly the Dothraki are like slowly coming over it. And then I I kind of did the same thing that that you did, Jason. I wasn't taking notes in the first place, but had I been, I would have lost yeah. the ability to. I kind of yeah. lost the ability to like speak or think. Yeah. I was just like dragon, <laughs> I, I, and then it started spewing fire and i was like oh my god i think i started screaming i don't remember it was great i was just screaming um, a word that i can't say on this podcast actually <laughs> at, at like three yep. or four points that's just i just kept saying yep. a certain word because i'm like what is like uh, there's that <laughs> that shot there's the shot where the dragon because because it is I, I like what they do is it's daenerys is riding the dragon um and so she gets like these strafing runs where they it comes in low and it does a breath and then it kind of comes back out and then and she kind of like so there's some mechanics to it and there's that moment where they're just picking off every single wagon in the caravan on the roads <laughs> and like literally the dragon does one blow and then takes a breath thereby sparing a single wagon by the way if you watch it's hilarious there's one wagon that doesn't get blown up and then next fireball and a whole other strip of them gets and it is it is amazing in the in the commentary at the end the, the um that will you know 
different depending on what country you're in it's located maybe on a on a web page for the broadcaster in your country or whatever but they, they do put out this like five minute thing where the producers talk about it they said basically what we tried to do is realistically as much as possible when dragons are involved depict this imbalance where it's like what if we had a medieval battle and then somebody had an f-15 <laughs> yeah i've yeah. read a lot of stories in which a dragon destroys an army because that's the kind of nerd i am Mm-hmm. This looked like what I have always wanted to see of a dragon destroying an army. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, the power imbalance is just, it's breathtaking. I, I, as I said, I don't usually like fight scenes. Most of the other like big battle sequences in Game of Thrones I have like endured as opposed to mm-hmm. enjoyed um this one I, I i still felt like the actual battle scenes with you know the the blood and the beheadings and and, sure. and the whatnot sword chop um, chop could have yeah. i stumps. was happy for the, the for the people who are enjoying that but i was I, I was a little bit to the almost level of bored by that but because we kept seeing shots of the dragon <laughs> it totally kept me kept me sort of buoyed up throughout this much more than any of the other fight scenes before so i was i was very excited by the fire and the dragon and just the the overwhelming excitement of the beginning of the battle and being like oh my god it's actually happening something something really really big is going down and wow and so, uh, so by the end i was i was a little bit like yeah. okay stop with the clash clash but no. <laughs> well i liked seeing the the kind of showcase for the dothraki too because mm-hmm. they had a lot of fancy you know jumping off of their horses and firing the, arrows the from the archers. backs of their horses was awesome chopping off the legs of the other the guy's horses. A bronze horse, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> which That's set true. up that great line from the other Dothraki to Tyrion, which was just, boy, you guys can't fight at all, can you? <laughs> no, <laughs> we should have come here long ago. This is going to be easy. <laughs> I did appreciate the uh, the the whole sequence with with Bronn sort of like running around and, and trying to get away from yeah. the the one Dothraki. The thing that I liked about it the most was that it 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 showed sort of what a battle would look like at that point. It's just I, the thing I liked about the Battle of the Bastards was it was so chaotic yes. that like that's you lose yourself in in the battle and you have no idea what's going on and that's kind of how you felt from the way it was shot. Same sort of thing here. Mm-hmm. We're following Bronn all the way around and there's just madness going on around him. There's like a horse crashing into a guy on fire yeah, he and takes, I mean he just takes <laughs> a sword out of somebody who's been stabbed against a, mm-hmm. a, a, a wagon with a sword. He uses that exactly. sword. It's just complete it's just, chaos. And you have no, you don't really have a great sense of where he is, which is perfect because I'm sure he doesn't have a great yeah. sense of where and, he is. And at Does one point, Ash... young, mm-hmm. at, at one point, young Dickens saves Jamie, which I yes. thought was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the, oh, the, it was just chaos. I, I'm with you, Erica. The, the a lot of the the, the chop chop clang clang stuff. I, I felt like it was there because you have to have like it was obligatory. Like armies are going to yep. clash. You you need to show it. But the goals of this of this scene ultimately are the, to show just the destructive power of a dragon and mm-hmm. how um, taken aback, you know, they, they are surprised and they're, and they're, they're, they're maybe could like, Jamie's like, we can, we can uh, deal with these Dothraki. And then the dragon comes in. And he's like, ah, what are we going to do? <laughs> and then, and then we get, and then it's those little moments. So you mentioned Braun being uh, thrown off his horse and he runs and he loses his gold that he was so happy to sort of happy to get and has to make that decision. Like, do I get my gold? No, I'm going to die if I try to get my gold. And 
and he runs the other way. <laughs> Jamie has sent him to fire off the scorpion, which is this, you know, the super crossbow. Ballista. There's a, yeah, there's a great moment where... <laughs> they actually exist. It's not that brilliant an idea. Yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> there's a great moment where Jamie gets all the archers together and they fire all their regular arrows against the dragon. <laughs> nope, that doesn't work. Um, and oh, so Jamie's reaction to that moment is just, his reactions to pretty much everything in this fight were great. Like, uh, <laughs> so uh, we get all that and then Bronn does reach his destination and kills the guy who's pursuing him with like serious overkill from the scorpion <laughs> but then he kind of puts down the little top and he's gonna he's gonna fire i have one question which is were there no dothraki anywhere around who saw that there was a guy with a giant crossbow standing there whirling it around but chaos there was a lot there's of chaos. a lot of ash in the air it's cloudy the dothraki planned you know th- this is the fire zone where there will be a lot of dragon burning Stay out of that if you oh, can. Oh, yeah, and just kind of clean, do clean up on the outside. That may be, that may be. Yeah, that's the artillery and, zone over there. And the other thing that comes in very late that, that this battle is also meant to do is is what, what we said, which is Tyrion standing up, looking at this battle along with some Dothraki who say, your people can't fight. But Tyrion is watching and it's like, <laughs> you know, Tyrion, no, your buddy Bronn is down there and your brother is down there. And uh, and so we get to see Tyrion and actually sees Jamie and wants him to run away. But the, the best part about this is this is Tyrion seeing the price of his turning against his family, which is he is watching his family's army be burned alive. And he yeah. is a part of it. And I think it doesn't hit home for him until he's standing there watching them all on fire. That, that I think that's that moment where Tyrion looks like, you know, he's got a look on his face. And I, I don't think he's regretting. He, he knows how bad his sister is. But the fact is, it's it's like the Lannister army. And he is now in you know, actively participating in their destruction. And he, yeah. he, he probably feels a little bit like, uh, like Dickon felt when he was fighting against the, against the army, uh, armies of exactly. High Guard, because that's, exactly. that's who he was, you know, he was a part of them. They were, they were his friends, his family, sort of, sort of, so to speak. And now you have Tyrion experiencing that same thing. Like this is, this is where I came from. These were my people and my actions have directly led to them dying in, in blood and mud and fire and it's gross or being turned instantly to ash which is probably easier that's probably the nicer way to go honestly rather than running around and rolling around in the mud and trying to get to the river yeah i would i would take dragon fire if we're if we're we're calling dibs dibs so frankly at this point even if cersei somehow learns that Tyrion wasn't responsible for joffrey's death i don't think she's gonna forgive doesn't matter now no doesn't matter now no he's on the other Mm -hmm. team for sure yeah jamie either really the result of of uh of uh, Bronn getting to the ballista to the scorpion is uh, I really enjoyed this. He misses the first time, but there's that moment where like Daenerys is like, what the hell was that? And Tyrion mm-hmm. is like, oh no, what the hell was that? Like everybody's realizing this isn't going to be quite as easy. And then he hits the the dragon with the next shot and and it, it well, let's say shoulder. Yeah. 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 It, it, mm-hmm. You know, hits it somewhere, you know, wing, shoulder, mm-hmm. wherever, but it, it, it's a hit. It's not a miss. It wings yeah. it. And the dragon, you know, kind of swoops and is mad and and dives, but does come kind of to a landing. 
And uh, so this this is interesting because we know, and it also it fries the ballista, it fries the scorpion because it's really pissed off, um, <laughs> and <laughs> knocks the rest of it apart with the tail. Yeah, the tail. Yep, Just it's gone. It's, it's an angry dragon. But uh, but we know that that the, the dragon's hide can be pierced by this weapon. So there is at least some sort of arms race <laughs> thing maybe happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then we get our final moment, which is Jamie does uh, realize that 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 blonde girl who is next to the dragon trying to pull its pull the the arrow out of it just like uh the mouse trying to pull the thorn out of the lion's paw <laughs> um <laughs> is got has got to be Daenerys Targaryen and he picks up uh, a a spear from a nearby dead guy and just starts galloping toward her in to cuz he figures he can end this right here if the other general is on the field he can end this whole thing if he kills her in this moment of opportunity he he has to take the chance. I totally get it. Tyrion is like, flee, you idiot. Flee. I was really hoping he would succeed just because nobody would expect it. And then we'd have three angry, uncontrolled dragons roaming, <laughs> roaming around the story around. for the rest of the show. <laughs> no, that's chaos. The, uh, and instead, what seems to happen. So Bronn, when we last saw him, he had, he, he dove away at the last second from the, the scorpion before it was blown up by the dragon. He, he looks at a white horse. And here in this last moment... When the dragon wheels on Jamie as he's about to attack Daenerys and just lets rip with another gust of fire, uh, somebody very rapidly with another white horse comes in from off the left side of the screen, th- uh, dives, uh, pushes Jamie and himself into the water, and uh, thereby saves them. Although Jamie, weighed down by armor and that stupid gold hand of his, is sort of <laughs> sinking down into the water. And that's how it ends, which I'm going to assume mm-hmm. is Braun, although it could be dickon it's probably Bronn. i think it was Bronn because they made such a like the the camera really focused on Bronn and seeing a horse and it was one of the few white horses that we had seen so that is the intention is that it it, that it's Mm Bronn and Bronn has saved him i have um i have an observation about Bronn here which is okay so Bronn and jamie are both in this battle and everybody's getting killed and they just managed to not be killed which is great for them. Bronn then is like standing on the thing that is shooting at the dragon and the dragon sees it and gets hit and blows it up but he like just leaps off of it and somehow is unscathed and mm-hmm. and, and then in the last minute he swoops in and saves Jamie like this and I had that moment where I thought you know the show has decided we all love Bronn he's gonna be fine. <laughs> he's a superhero. Because he should totally be dead. <laughs> <laughs> At yeah. many points, yep. Bronn should be dead, and yet he's mm-hmm. not. And I'm, o- you know what? I'm okay with it. He's one of these civilian yep. characters. He's not. He's not really playing the game. He's just doing his job, and he's fun. And so he, you know, he gets to live through all of this. At least this episode, when mm-hmm. at many points he should be dead. I was. I was seriously. Afraid that we were going to lose Bronn. Yeah, like oh, when yeah. the when the dragon was coming down, I thought, oh, yeah. this is it. This is it. Please. And I was having, I was like, I don't want Bronn to die. That would be terrible. But I also don't want him to kill the dragon because that would also be terrible. Both things would make me very sad. Uh-huh. And I was kind of happy at the way that it, it worked out because not only did it balance those two things together, but it also balanced the thing that I was very afraid of, and that's that when you have something like a ballista, aiming one of those suckers is next to impossible if you're trying to fire at something that is moving in the sky so 
I was I was really worried that they were going to have like a stupidly lucky shot that was going to hit a dragon like right in the eye and it was going to yeah. be dead. And the fact that it it hit the dragon and managed to sort of take it down um, and, and show that their hide can be broken, but that it didn't do super severe damage. I thought that was a good sort of halfway point. Like, OK, yeah, you're still stupidly lucky that you managed to hit the thing, but it wasn't so bad on the dragon side. Yeah, I don't want to get too into the realism of the ballista, but I was impressed that it could be swiveled 360 degrees, aimed mm-hmm. so accurately, and reloaded by one person. One guy. In yeah. like I mean, 10 geez. seconds. In D&D, it takes like two turns to reload a freaking crossbow. <laughs> it's really good. If I had one note for Kyburn, I would say consider fireproofing it in some way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's Kyburn's uh, innovation is that it's mm-hmm. a uh, it's a one man ballista that they, they yeah. like you know you can just and Bron has Bron's good he's been trained on it apparently and uh, he's a good <laughs> shot and it would uh, make sense for him to have been you know but they're down one he's, down one ballista now down one yeah. yeah but I'm sure there are more I I'm am sure, sure there are plenty more but I, now Team Dragon knows that the ballistas are there yeah. and can mm-hmm. look for them I was, I don't know if they shoot straight up I was impressed because I thought of this as being like a. Uh, a, a defense system for King's Landing, and instead they had yeah. the foresight to carry one with them on their journey in case dragons mm-hmm. appeared, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I also like this is kind of a reference to um, if you've got a missile launcher in modern day, they are they are often disguised like this, right? Where it looks just like it's a truck, and then you pop mm-hmm. open the top and it's a missile launcher, so you can't tell where the missile launcher is. It just looks like well, any other truck. Well, that's why tanks are called tanks, because the first ones were disguised as water tanks. Yeah, look at that. Mm. Very clever. So at the end, yep. Jamie, uh, yeah, Jamie's sinking down. Are we meant to think that this is any sort of a cliffhanger? Because, I, you know, I really doubt <laughs> that, that would the, be next, amazing. the next episode is like, well, <laughs> Jamie drowned. <laughs> Drag him up on the beach. Oh, that's a shame. Died between episodes. Weird for such a main character. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get on with it. Shrug. Yeah, you know the the dragon could just like boil that uh, boil the the lake there. I feel like. Oh, that's a good idea. It's full of people hiding. Like mm-hmm. at this point, <laughs> the uh, Lannister army did a really good job of not breaking and running once they were mostly on fire. Like you could see the wings. People still holding their line, even though the Dothraki were coming around from behind them. But surely a bunch of them were like, I'm just going to dive into this water and hope I don't get caught on fire. Oh, yeah. I I, I was amazed that they didn't. And, and I actually wonder about, like, the creative decision here. Like, when the dragon appears, should a certain number of the people in the army not be like, I'm out of here? That's yes. it. I can't believe what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. I'm, I mean, maybe they were just so shocked that they didn't know. Like, a, yeah. a horde of horse people from Essos and a dragon? Like, I turned, all the other I one. turned to Stephen and I said, I, and I will edit this for, for the podcast, but I turned to Stephen and I said, uh, looks like uh, when men die is not the only time they poo their pants. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say poo. In any yeah, sensible war <laughs> game, there is a morale role for the Lannister army, and some number of them certainly break and run at that point. I would think mm-hmm. you got. I mean, we just didn't see those ones on on camera. But oh, That's but all. speaking of seeing people on camera, we did get to see Sam's jerk father on fire. That was fun. Oh, was he on yes. fire? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, I, I thought that was him. I mean, the we face was pretty die, scarred, but, he, but the, he, the the shape of his head was was still him. Yeah, we saw him on fire and taking his helmet off, so he might yep. be alive. 
but he's mm-hmm. in a lot of pain at least. I feel like they are definitely like that is one of those cases. It's maybe not like um with Jorah and the old bear where Sam had that scene where he's like, Oh well, I knew your father. Um mm-hmm. I feel like with this, it is a much more direct, like, we are going to see this connection followed up on. Like, the fact that we met Mm -hmm. Sam's dad and his brother, and we've seen them again, and now they've been in this battle. Like, I don't know how this impacts Sam, you know, and whether it's just a little bit or whether it's a lot. But I, I have to believe that they're not you know, specifically Sam's dad and brother here for it mm-hmm. not to have some sort of further, you know, storyline involving Sam. I don't know what that I is. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I mean, maybe Sam's dad does die or, you know, eventually dies of the wounds that he took took here and Dickon becomes, you know, the, the Lord. And he seems like a much nicer guy than his dad. So maybe there will be some reconciliation there between Sam and his brother and he'll be on good terms with, with his family at the end of it all. Maybe. Well, if Sam hadn't stolen the family sword, maybe we would have done better in that battle. Oh, uh, burn. burn. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Sam's going to save all of us, though. So, I think that's, right. I think Sam, that's the point. Uh, yeah, reference acknowledged. Save every one of us. <laughs> you got it. Uh, what else to say? Um, other than, I mean, I feel like wow. Like all I all yeah. I, that that uh-huh. thing. I, we went back right afterward and watched that last twenty minutes again. <laughs> immediately, immediately. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it's my I, I favorite. I was kind of dancing that like this is the one that I got to come and talk about. I was like, yeah. yeah I think this is my favorite Game of Thrones big uh, ridiculous battle scene of all of them mm-hmm. now, I think. I oh, think for sure. I like Blackwater a little bit more, but you could see things better in this one. So I don't know. That moment. Yeah, I definitely like this better. That moment when the dragon is strafing. I mean, the, all the, those moments, like the viscerality of yeah, of right. this it's like they, i mean it's not quite but it's like they have an atomic bomb in mm-hmm. the middle ages it's like this is so far outside of what this army is prepared for mm-hmm. and that that feeling of dread like they're already taken by surprise by a dothraki horde which seems really unlikely and you know here they are so i guess mm-hmm. we better go, gear up and then the dragon comes it's like we don't even know what mm-hmm. to do and the dragon does exactly what you expect it to do which is just destroy mm-hmm. the whole army and there is a moment in a previous episode where they mentioned that the history is that the Targaryens came to Westeros with three dragons and conquered the entire mm-hmm. thing and you see this and you're like oh yeah okay Makes sense. got it story checks yep. out yep. and here she's only using one, one of the dragons yeah. well, this is just it, a like, third of her fire honestly, her literal Cer- firepower Cersei what is your plan you know mm-hmm. you can't fight that thing so, like the scorpion, mm, I mean, it's cute, but yeah. yeah. So, open question is: Look how great this dragon was with its <laughs> with with its uh, with its master riding it. What do we do about the other two dragons? Right? Because we need dragon riders. If we're gonna if we're gonna have three dragons in action, I think I think the the implication here is you want a person on the back of the dragon to tell it what to do and where to go, and they well, only have the one right now. I was I, so hoping that a dragon would come and land somewhere near where John was and like start nuzzling him. I wanted or that last week. Like, That's what I wanted is the uh, dragons to look at him like, I kind of like you, but there was didn't a, happen. There was a time when I assumed Bran was going to use his warging ability to possess a dragon, oh. but I think he might have ascended past 
Uh-huh. The well, point where he takes direct action in the plot. Remember, he's. Yep. I don't think so, because he is told at one point, you will never walk again, but you will fly. So I think right. I think Bran and the dragons are gonna are gonna have a meet cute at some point, but I don't know whether it's gonna be Bran on the back of a dragon or Bran warging into a dragon or something else. But I feel like Bran and the dragons are probably connected because of that little prophecy mm-hmm. bit that he got. I, 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 I buy believe that, that, but I think I think I I think I'm with Monty in in the fact that it just it doesn't feel like Bren is going to is the kind of character who will take direct action so much anymore. But I can see him maybe um, getting on a dragon to get somewhere really fast or something hmm. like that, or even just at the end, at the very very end, after everything is done and they're going to live happily ever after, Bren gets to ride a dragon. Oh. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I'm not entirely sure that Bran's, uh, like once Bran's memory compiles or whatever, <laughs> that he might not be mm-hmm. a little more active than like, like the, the old third eyed raven, three eyed raven was maybe a little mm-hmm. bit like he was waiting around for something yeah. to happen. But there, I feel like he's going to spring into uh, this war mode. And he says, I need to get it together by the time the long mm-hmm. night comes. So when he gets it together, I'm hopeful that we're going to see like a more active uh, brand yeah. and that he's not just going to be the library computer. But who knows? You know, maybe he I is. Had, for, for, I think because we just watched this battle and I was just I had Cersei at the front of my head. I've turned it to Arya, you guys. They think it's mm. a problem. Um, I, I kind of forgot all about the White Walkers um, on the other side of the wall. So, yeah, I think that that once the south is sort of taken care of and we finally get the dragons turning toward the north, then then, yes, I could totally see Bran warging into a dragon or I don't think he would need to ride one if he can if he can warg into it mm. um, because because that's that's the enemy that I could see him taking action against. That's the whole reason that he went off on his little quest anyway. So so that I can see, I can't see him getting involved in the politics of the Seven Kingdoms in that way, but but totally to fight the the evil empire to the north. Well, he has to get involved a little because there's a good chance that he remembers stuff he saw in those flashback sequences. So mm-hmm. maybe he will tell Jon Snow some interesting things about his parentage. He Certainly. did say, I need to talk to Jon. Yeah. So yeah. I think he plans on it. I feel like that's the, that is the next step for Bran, right? Is Bran's got the information mm-hmm. that Jon is actually a Targaryen by birth. And, mm-hmm. you know, at some point that might be yep. interesting, an interesting complication. I what, what I like about this show is that we've got parts of it that we can see where it's going but but i feel like we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle and that it does have these (laughs) moments where it it uh it the order in which things play out is super important and so like with this battle like i didn't see it coming i knew that daenerys was going to do something but in that moment even though it's telegraphed where it's like well where did she go cut to jamie lannister right we're like oh is this where she went (laughs) but still it it is a surprise it's not the uh uh, something that had been discussed before it's a a more of a a surprise move and that's i think the interesting thing about how this all is going to play out is we know the pieces that these characters have and where we think they're going to go in their role in the forthcoming story as we assume it to be but you know uh, uh, there are other pieces that are off the board and we don't know how it's all going to be assembled and i like that i like that we've kind of finished the building up of all the all the angles and now it's all just you know you've got all the cards in your hand and it's just a matter of the order you play them in i think that's cool yep 
So let's hope they don't introduce a bunch of new, new primary ca- characters oh, next geez. week. The new sand Bite snakes. Bite your tongue, Monty. Bite let's your see tongue. Who, let's see who lives in the twins now. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> Oh, hey, hey, let's meet the members of the Golden Company, these mercenaries. And what? There's one guy who claims to be a Targaryen. Oh, tell us more about that. No, let's so not. There's a whole army that's been hanging out, watching all this go on, and just saying, someone will come pay us eventually. Yep. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Well, they're doing, you know, little bits here and there in Slaver's Bay and stuff just to get by. But, you know, the, the money from Westeros comes in, then awesome. Yeah. Cha-ching. Oh, well, this is the midway point of the season. There are three more episodes to go. So <laughs> That was wow. quick. I know. Well, seven episode season, even more painful. Although it, although it's the midway point, I don't think it's the midway point in runtime because my understanding is that episode mm-hmm. seven is more than a, is like an hour and 20 minutes long. So I don't know. It, I was disappointed yeah. when I saw that the runtime for this was only 49 minutes. I was like, but I want more. Is, is it is it that short? Mm-hmm. Well, wow. that's what it said on HBO Go Canada, which, you know, it's Canada. It could be wrong. It seemed, I don't know. It seemed like. Well, I was shocked when I discovered that it was only about 19 minutes that that last action scene or 18 minutes went on because mm-hmm. it felt like it went on forever in a in the best way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, 50 minutes according to Wikipedia. So there you go. Well, three more episodes to go. Um, Erica, thank you so much for being on the Flashcast again, even though you weren't uh, able to attend in person. Yeah, it, I feel like I should be in your garage, but uh, but I've I've made do, and I also I I looked it up just so you don't get uh, tweets and letters. Um, John is actually uh, Daenerys's nephew; she is his aunt, not not great, great aunt. aunt. Okay, all right, yep. all right. So well, th- that's so everybody now who's tweeted in to correct me from earlier has to be <laughs> regretful and send a Suckos. oh never mind. Erica got it at the end. Tweet now, so that's why you should never <laughs> yep. tweet corrections until you've heard the whole <laughs> podcast. Or Erica might call you a sucko at the end of the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Which would you prefer, being called a sucko or burned to ash? <laughs> well, we got someone with that a couple of weeks ago where they tweeted something and then 10 minutes later discovered, oh, you covered that? Yeah, that gotcha. happens a lot in the podcast that I do where it's like, I can't believe you didn't mention mm-hmm. this thing. Oh, you mentioned it later. Yes, we did. It happens. Yeah, yeah podcasts continue. That's how time works. I know. It is. It's strange. Um, so, Erica, thank you. Monty... Thank you, as always. And next week, I am, the next two weeks, I'm gone. I'm out of pocket. I am on the road somewhere traveling far away from uh, civilization and the internet and podcasting. So I leave. How the, will you survive? I don't, Is there oxygen out there? I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I'll find out and I'll report back if I survive. Uh, but Monty, you and Brian and any guests that you, uh, you turn up, uh, I'm sure we'll keep the podcast in, in good order while I'm gone. Don't break it, please. Don't break we'll, it. We'll do our best. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Uh, and everybody out there, thank you for listening once again to the Game of Thrones Flashcast. Dragons, fire! Ah, ah, ah. We'll see you next week, but not me. I won't be here. They'll see you next week. 